Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome back to the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Welcome back to work, probably most people. Welcome back to a new year. And Jay, welcome back. Welcome. <laughs> welcome, Tom. It's great to be here. Yeah. Uh, a lot so, of welcomes to start the new year. Exactly. Well, this is the new year. We've been talking about this and warning people since probably, I don't know, Labor Day that they should be working on their vision because January 1st will get here before you know it. And so now it's passed. And so all of the New Year's resolutions are already blown out of the water. Um, people still haven't worked on their vision, but now they're going to get serious about it, right? It's the first of the year and now is the time. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no time like the present, but of course, we all tend to procrastinate towards the end of the year. And yeah, no, people are really thinking about what 2020 has in store for them, I would imagine. Um, with that said, we want to talk about vision and, and other issues on today's podcast. Um, and we have a guest who I'm excited to to bring to you, to our listeners, and to, to talk to as well. Um, Bob Levant. Bob embodies the term Philadelphia lawyer. He's been honored by his peers numerous times as a super lawyer, has tried over 50 criminal and civil jury trials in his 25-year career. He has uh, a number of cases, including notable ones uh, that involved the successful representation of clients in capital murder cases and other high-profile criminal and civil matters. And interestingly, and this is something we'll talk about today, Bob will soon complete his master's degree in mental health counseling, and he is a certified yoga instructor. So Bob, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate the intro. Happy New Year to, to you guys. I hope the holidays were great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You too. Um, so let's let's dive in, Bob, and start talking about uh, this issue of vision. Uh, and it's one that I think is critically important, but it's also one of those one of those terms that maybe some people don't have a clear understanding of what we're talking about. So when uh, you know when I'm I'm talking to a lawyer, maybe doing a coaching engagement, we talk about casting a vision, and it's really it's really thinking about what the future might hold, isn't it? Um, can you can you talk a little bit about how you see vision and and why you think that's it's important for lawyers to have a clear vision? Well. Um... That's a great place to start off. So, you know, I think, so I see vision like this. I, I tell, you know, lawyers that I, that I speak with, that I coach, uh, I see vision as a North star as kind of like a beacon. And that means that, you know, we have a place that we can get to where the law can be really, really fulfilling and enriching. It's obviously can be a really difficult place as well. Uh, but that vision has to be ever evolving, right? So it's getting to a place where the practice can feed our soul, we can use our skill set in a way that maximizes who we are, um, but it's not I have to get here, or I have to make this much money, or I have to be a partner. Uh, and so, for me, that's critically important. And you know, why for lawyers, particularly to talk about this and continue to educate themselves on the practice, how the practice works, um, you know, how to find their way, is because you know, to me, the law attracts really creative, passionate you know, multi-dimensional thinkers to it. And then it stifles them, right? Because the practice itself is a really regimented, you know, place where we're, you know, where we're, you know, uh, arguing over, you know, little nuances in old rules. 
And so you look up and you're like, wow, you know, I'm in this job where, you know, I feel kind of soul deadened. How did that happen to me? And it's that kind of wagon ruts of the law. You should go to this firm. You know, your grades are this good and you can go there. Well, you know, the federal judge I Clark for told me I should do this. And it's not to say that's not the right answer for some people, but, you know, you have to have hold of the practice. You can't let the practice take hold of you. It's interesting that you mentioned uh, deadening, Bob, or soul deadening, because as Jay was doing the intro, I wish I could remember the name of the movie, but I once saw a movie in which they described depression as the inability to process and visualize future events. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, I'm no, certainly no mental health doctor, but I thought about the times that I get even not clinically depressed, but just down. It's because I can't envision a better future. It's just, I feel I'm so stuck in the now. So can you talk through how vision can be an antidote to what you just described in terms of being soul deadening the day to day? I mean, you, you're that, that is a, whatever that movie is, we'll have to come up with it. Cause that's a really good description, you know, in the law, a lot of times because of the way law school educates lawyers, we get into jobs in places that either aren't what we expected, or we didn't even know what to expect. And the law starts to feel really heavy and it starts to feel, um, you know, like it is just, you know, it is just going to, going to weigh us down. And so, what that vision looks like is, is, you know, get out there and find mentors, you know, make relationships and really learn about the practice and get back in touch with the skills that you have and the things inside of you that brought you to the law. Like most of us come to the law because it's a really honorable profession and we come to do some kind of good, make some kind of change. And then we lose our way along the way. Right. So, you know, reach out for people, you know, like you guys and others, get on LinkedIn, talk to people, make relationships, um, and just start seeing yourself using the skills that are really invigorating, right? A lot of the analytical processing and the, and the thought and the creativity, it's, it's fun, right? But you got to get into a place where you don't feel like you're making widgets all day, right? If you're making legal widgets, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. And, and Bob, I would think that, I don't know if you, you share this opinion, but I think that having a vision is, is really, it's really allows you to have a plan, right? It's a precursor to a plan. It's hard to know what to do in the moment if you don't have a clear vision for the future. Um, can you, can you just talk a little bit about how maybe, you know, even, even use your own experience about, you know, thinking about your own vision and how you can then align your actions with that vision and, and maybe why that's important? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, first, you know, which is what you asked me, I think that I actually found my way into the right job early on. Like I was sort of built to be a public defender, both, you know, from kind of who I am and then also the skill set of being a trial lawyer. So I got into a job that was probably the right place for me. But then I didn't do the things or know well enough to have the tools to deal with the emotional baggage of it, you know, the anxiety, the fears, the stresses, uh, the kind of pressure you're under, you know, as a big city public defender litigator with no idea, you know, which way's up and which, which way's down. And so for me, part of my vision became, you know, after, you know, too many years of banging my head against the wall, how can I get to a place where this part of me that I know there's enjoyment here, it's always going to be hard trying cases is, you know, 
really hard. But I know that there's a part of me that will just have, you know, real joy in connecting with people at that moment in a jury trial. So how do I unpack all of this to get there? And so for me, the vision had to do with identifying the things within the law that I thought I could excel at and feel fulfilled at. And why was I not achieving that? For other people and lawyers that I talk to, it's that they will have some version of what I'm describing. There's a place in the law, you know, they love to write. Um, you know, they really, you know, they really like to, you know, unpack complex, complex problems that could be in the tax area, could be in the patent area, any number of, of, you know, of practice areas. And they've gotten themselves into a job just because that was the job they fell into. And so for them, the vision is how do I get to a place in the law where my skill set is going to fit and, you know, where I can, can find that. So hopefully that answers you, because I think it can be both pieces. You could be in the right place and not have the coping skills to deal with it, or you could be in the wrong place. Do you, I'm curious if you, first of all, are you familiar with Gino Wickman? You no, know? I'm not. So Gino Wickman is, um, he'd hate me to, for me to describe him this way, but he's a business coach. He developed the entrepreneurial operating system and his tool uh, for entrepreneurs, not necessarily attorneys, but I want to see how you would think it would apply to attorneys practicing law. His tool is something he calls a vision traction organizer. And it's all about A, establishing the vision, but the B, then putting all the mechanisms in place to achieve the vision. To, and that's the traction component. And so sometimes people are so busy trying to get traction that they're not you know, living up to a higher vision. Other times they do all sorts of work on vision and they put it in a filing cabinet somewhere. And Gino's fond of saying vision without traction is actually hallucination, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. But could you talk through what is the, do you have a methodology to get a, an attorney to not only establish the vision, then translate that into actionable steps that will get them traction in their careers? Oh, you know, that's a, it's a, a really good way to come at it. So, so first of all, I don't have a system uh, that's going to fit any one lawyer. You know, when I, when I coach lawyers, it is about, you know, part of what I try to bring to them is, 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 is working together for that deep understanding of the practice, right? You got to understand the business and each person's practice or place in the, in, in the law at that moment is different. So I don't think you can come with just a system, but to the point you're making, asking the really hard questions about what you love about the practice, you know, if anything, and what's really causing you, um, you know, the angst and the fear and the pain and the anxiety uh, and connecting those dots to, to what you want your life to look like. Because the other thing that happens is lawyers get trapped in the practice, right? And they define themselves and, and their achievements through only what's happening in the law. But the law has got to be a vehicle to something that is, is deeply fulfilling personally. You know, so if I'm coaching a lawyer before this podcast, I was. And, you know, we were having a dialogue about, you know, different places their practice could go, you know, partnerships, expanding with more associates, bringing a new practice group in. But that dialogue has to be had with like, what do you want your Sunday morning to look like, right? You know, you know what do you want the summers when the kids are out of school to look like? Um, and that doesn't get solved by just, you know, bringing in, in more money. And quite frankly, sometimes the top line of revenue may or may not necessarily equate to a broader profit margin. 
depending upon what your practice looks like, right? So that's, you know, kind of where the rubber hits the road is making the practice work for you instead of you working for the practice. Um, you know, and then if you put it in the firm, in the context of a big firm, uh, obviously, you know, if you're at a big firm, you're not going to change the structure of that place. Uh, is it working for you? And, you know, is it working for your lifestyle? And, and, you know, how do you, how do you put those things together? And, and lastly, I'll say to you that this has to start to really work, you know, in law school. Uh, yeah, you can get it right after that. But gosh, imagine if law students were really thinking about uh, and talking about and being counseled on the nitty gritty of what these jobs are going to look like, what they mean to you on a day to day basis, and, and you know, how that kind of equates into your personal life, rather than, wow, you're at the top of your class, this is available to you, right? Uh, or you got a good grade in this class, you should go do that. Or quite frankly, your uncle or your mother or your father has a law practice, go there, right? None of those, none of those things are the right way to get after this. Yep. Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, that, that, and that was my path. I remember, I mean, my, my decision was driven almost solely by, you know, the highest paying job at the best brand That's name good. firm. And, and uh, luckily it worked out. I mean, I enjoyed my experience, but it could have gone a totally different direction. And, and there was none of that discussion uh, during law school. And, and right. as someone who kind of stumbled to, into law school in the first place, didn't really have any idea of what a practicing lawyer meant, uh, what that profession meant. Uh, you know, it was, it was sort of uh, just pure luck that I happened to fall into a good situation. Could have been well, a bad one. Yeah. I mean, let me just say, right, that it's all, not almost, it is. I talk to lawyers all the time. Well, I never could have said, I'm not going to apply for that firm. I mean, I was at the top of my class or my grades were really good. The professor said, you know, well, you got to, you know, you can get a job there. You know, that'll pay you this. You have to do that. Now, meanwhile, quite frankly, too often, those same law professors are teaching law because they hated practicing. Right. Right. So, right. So they were there. Okay. Yep, <laughs> and now yep. they're at law school telling you, you should go there. All right. Yeah. So, so I hear that all the time, you know, and, and, and that is part and parcel of what you're talking about. And yes, absolutely positively. A lot of people go and, and don't even know, don't even know what a lawyer does right when they get there. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, those, those are, and that's the culture that, that really, that really needs to change, right? We can't have people who didn't like practicing law directly telling other people where they should go to enjoy practicing law. It's just not a right. <laughs> Bit of a broken system. Um, <laughs> Bob, you are, you're an accomplished trial lawyer. You've had a, a long, uh, prestigious career in the practice, um, but you're, you're shifting gears yourself. Um, you are, Kind of have a new vision for what the future might hold. I, I want to talk about that a little bit because I think that'll be interesting for our listeners. But kind of just talk a little bit about you know your your journey, where you're at, and kind of where you're headed. So yeah, I mean, I, listen, um, I have gotten you know credible experience in the law, and and I've gotten to do all kinds of things I couldn't even imagine doing, trying cases and learning about people and and problem solving, and and uh, to some extent, you know, that's it's really is in my blood or part of my DNA either was or is now. So, you know, I'll have my hands in things, uh, you know, things that, that really, I think, keep my skills sharp, because I think it's important if you're talking to lawyers that, you know, you still at least have, you know, have your hands in there a little bit. But, you know, I made a commitment uh, a few years ago to uh, slowly but methodically shift my career in a way that I could use 
my experience as a lawyer, you know, which you, you've, you've kindly summarized. And um, what I think is, is my unique feel for the business and the emotions that come along with being a lawyer and uh, find a way to share all that and hopefully help shift the culture in the practice and help people uh, really find ways to maximize a, a fulfilling life within the law. Um, and, you know, as part of that, I, you know, I, I en enrolled in what I'm now just finishing up a, a, a master's program in mental health counseling, uh, which I, I thought would, and quite frankly, exponentially assisted me in kind of getting my head and my heart around um, all of the complexities that go along with this. And, and uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to finding ways through coaching and speaking and, and training uh, to bring this dialogue that the three of us are having. Uh, you know, into firms and, and legal organizations and really just normalize talking about just how difficult and challenging and, you know, anxiety inducing this practice can be, which doesn't mean it can't also be incredibly fulfilling and exhilarating at the same time. Well, I have uh, just I have one question is to both of you, actually. But before I do, I just wanted to let you know the name of the movie I was referring to before is Side Effects. It's 2013 Steven Soderbergh psychological thriller was really good aside right. from the definition of depression, but uh, you might want to check that one out on a, a dreary Netflix kind of night. Um, so my question is what you just referred to. It seems as though there's an increasing number of attorneys who are either pursuing side hustles or they're considering careers outside of the law. So that may be an option, right? Um, it was for both of you. So could you either of you or both get talk through the mental hurdles? There's got to be mental hurdles to say, I have so much invested in my identity, money, um, time. It's just all the, the task of going through law school and becoming a young attorney. How can I throw all that away? So you don't throw it away. But how do you get somebody over that mental hurdle for whom maybe a future in law is not the career choice? Yeah, go ahead. You want to go first, Bob, or you want to go? <laughs> well, one of you want to go. You're in charge. I, I mean, I'm, 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 happy to, I'm happy to start, and then I'll I'll turn it over to you. I I would say, you know, it's I think it's different. I mean, when I when I left uh, the practice, I mean, I guess I had been practicing a grand total of about ten years. Um, it was it was not easy. Uh, there are some things that you have to get over. I mean, there is a certain status associated with being a practicing lawyer, deserved or, or undeserved. I mean, people tend to give you respect, all the bad jokes aside. Um, you know, there is the money uh, that that matters. I mean, you not, you know, there's there's not it's not like a guaranteed, um, you know, big income when you're practicing law, but but there is a certain financial security in many situations you might be in that you're you're walking away from. Um, and there are aspects of the law that are really rewarding. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it can be a really tough and challenging career. I definitely went through that. Um, it can also be a very fulfilling and enriching and rewarding career. And I, I experienced that as well. Um, the issue I think you're getting at, Tom, more than anything, is, is the whole notion of getting over the sunk cost fallacy, where you do feel like you have a tremendous amount invested in something. Your identity itself is wrapped up in that of being a lawyer. And, and it's hard to um, sometimes get over that. Um, for me, you know, when I left, I, I didn't have kids. So the financial issue was much less of a, you know, uh, of a concern at that point in time. You know, I had a lot of flexibility um, in that regard. I just had to take care of myself and, and my wife, obviously, uh, but she can take care of herself. 
but yeah, the the whole notion of walking away from something that you invested a lot in is is difficult. But if you if you have some again, getting back to this issue of vision, if you have something some vision of something uh, that you really want in the future, um, it makes it a heck of a lot easier to to kind of um, attach either your productivity or effort to some higher purpose in the sense that you've got a, a clear vision of what you want in the future. And it makes it easier to walk away from something when you really know what you want to go after. So, so that was my experience. Um, Bob, I'll turn it over to you. You know, so I would say for me, I'm trying to, I am taking all that experience and just um, a, utilizing it in a new way. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a lawyer, you know, always will be, uh, identify in some ways the trialer, but you know, if I leave all of what I've done and all of the battle scars and the, you know, the blood and the guts I left all over courtrooms there, and I just do this for the rest of my career, and that's it. I feel like you know, for me personally, I've done a disservice to myself and sort of my soul and the practice because I truly, you know, got to a place where I felt like I've unpacked a lot of this. I understand the pain and the anxiety and the fear, and I've also gotten to have all of these incredible life experiences. So let me find a way to, you know, to translate that and, and speak to lawyers about it. Cause I really do think that this is an incredibly necessary dialogue that, that there's, there's a ton of suffering in the law. Some of it is, is just part of, of it, but a lot of it is, is also um, self-induced, you know, by lawyers and, and, and the profession. Um, I, and, and, and the other part of the question, Tom, quite frankly, it was all so hard to work through, oh, that's Bob Levant. Oh, he's a trial lawyer. Oh, you know, what, you know, what do you mean? Like at the top of his career, he's, you know, walking away from doing that. You know, what, do you have a breakdown? Is he nuts? Did he lose his <laughs> mind? Uh, you know, all of those, all of the above, right? So all those things that went through my head for a long time as I slowly moved toward this. Because listen, you know, first of all, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the vision worked out in a way that I just put the light switch on and said, oh, here I am talking about, you know, how to maximize your fulfillment in the law. Uh, and I'm, I'm the person, you know, one of the people to talk to you about that. Like you have to work to that. And as I worked through it, oh man, you know, the pain of thinking about, you know, really making that transition and, and uh, you know, what the lawyers will say and what people, you know, will say. And cause as, as, as you guys said, that's part of your identity. And so listen, man, that's, you know, and, 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 you know, when I talk to lawyers and it, the law won't be for all of them forever, to your point, some will transition out. Uh, and that's great. One of the things I see, though, quite frankly, is I think a lot of lawyers flee the law instead of mindfully leave the law. Right. They get in. It's painful. It's hard. It sucks. And they're just like, I am out of here. Right. Or they stay and they're not happy. But I see too many people leave when they actually don't know, know what exactly they're leaving from, except that they're moving away from the pain. And, um, you know, I'm a big believer that if you're going to make that kind of big change after all that got invested in it, at least take some kind of stock in understanding where you are, why you feel that way and, you know, make that decision mindfully. So, um, you know, hopefully that answers in some way your, your query there. And, and, uh, and I'm sure tomorrow, some part of me will still say, Hey, what are they, what, you know, you know, <laughs> what was that dude doing? What, what are you thinking? Right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Bob, last, uh, last topic, and then we'll, we'll let you go. Um, we, we met on LinkedIn. Um, I really enjoy your content. Uh, I think you're, you know, a lot of interesting insights. You've got a very uh, unique, authentic take as to how you're creating and sharing content. Um, this is the Thought Leadership Project podcast. So can you talk a little bit about your approach to creating content 
um, maybe, you know, what forms of content you're currently creating and, and just how that impacts everything you're doing as a, as a professional. Yeah. I, at first, I guess I didn't realize anybody was reading my journal, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, you know, a lot of what I, what I put up on, uh, you know, you're referring to LinkedIn is, uh, some, you know, version of my own journaling, you know, about my, my, uh, life in the law and, and the practice and always trying to leave thoughtful breadcrumbs and ideas, uh, you know, without answers. Uh, the answers obviously lie within each of us in terms of figuring out kind of how to make it work. Um, the content that I put up is my ever evolving process of, you know, understanding myself, uh, the practice, you know, my place in it, my own journey, and, um, you know, how I can serve other lawyers out there who are, you know, on the path and, and taking the journey too. So it's, um, I love doing it. It's, uh, you know, it's a tool, obviously, to start conversation. It's, it's, uh, it keeps me fresh all the time and uh, connected to the practice. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, um, you know, I want to make change. I want to be there for lawyers and help. And, you know, nobody wants to hear from somebody they don't know, right? Uh, and they, they, they want to have a relationship and feedback from somebody who you know, they can genuinely understand, they can relate to, and they can relate to that person's experience. So that's the deepest part of what I'm doing is putting myself out there so people know who I am. And if I have something to offer, I think it'll come across that much more genuinely and, and, and powerfully. That's just uh, the way of the world. And, and, and technology both allows for that, but it also inhibits it some. And, and I try to break down that technology and, and write and share in a way that you know we're just doing right now, sitting around with a few people talking. And if you stumble upon my post and you want to read it, you know, that's great. And if a few thousand people do, that's great too. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Uh, any other follow-ups, Jay? Do you want no, no, that was it. I was going to, I was just going to uh, maybe, and I think that's where you're headed is let people know where to find Bob. I was, yes. And I was just going to say, I could sit here and talk about this vision stuff all day. So I'm going to uh, hasten me to LinkedIn to connect with you. And I look forward to reading your journal since you're opening it up for all of us. So where can else can people go on LinkedIn? We'll link to that in the show notes. Anywhere else people can find you? Yeah. I mean, they, they can uh, they can check me out at ironadvocate.com and uh, they're welcome to email me with any thoughts, questions, uh, which is bob at ironadvocate.com. Cool. Great. Well, thank you actually to you both for opening up, um, being vulnerable about your uh, decision to leave the law or to, to embrace additional career opportunities. So I guess we'll leave it there for now. Welcome back everyone to 2021. It's time to work on your vision and we'll see you next week on the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.